to Enter the Glory Zone with me, Dr. Edith Davis, on 94.1 FM Wave 94. Spiritual believers and listeners, as you know, I've been talking for several weeks earlier about how to divorce proof your marriage. And then most recently, I have been talking about how to basically be prepared for the great wealth transfer. Oh, and prior to that, I was talking about the great awakening. So how to divorce proof your marriage. Then I started talking about the great awakening, number three, in the United States of America, probably throughout the world. And now I'm talking about my class, which I started last Sunday, and I'm welcoming everyone to come because it'll be the next five to seven weeks. I'm going to be talking about how to prepare for the great wealth transfer. And it is scriptural. And I was talking it over my Godfather. He says it's also always important to back it up with a word. And basically, <clears throat> I was telling him that, of course, is God expects us to lay up wealth for our grandchildren. And in he is going to position the righteous children of God to receive from the wealth of the wicked. So you must be prepared for the great wealth transfer. Last Sunday's class was just a high-level overview, so you haven't missed much, and I do what they call the microspiral method. So I will be tapping that again and then going into more depth. So this Sunday, 4th of July, yes, that's right, the 4th of July, I will be teaching from 9 a.m. to 10 a.m. at All Nations Church, formerly known as Christian Heritage, all Nations Church, which is in the plaza across from Fun Station and in the same plaza with Chuck E. Cheese and there used to be the $2 movie theater. So we are there and I'm in room 103 and the book that we are going to be using is Robert, Dr. Robert Morris, The Blessed Life, uh, Unlock the rewards of generous living. So it, and he has a second book that I'm strongly recommending everyone get, and that's Beyond the Blessed Life, which gets into more detail about stewardship. So um, I welcome everyone to come at 9 a.m. on this coming Sunday, July the 4th, 9 a.m. to 10 a.m., and then we have service from 10 10.30 a.m. to about noon at All Nations Church, and it has been awesome. The other thing is that I have been um, the lead for a prayer walk, which is going on two years now, going into the two-year mark, where this will be, I think, the 20th, 20th walk, and, and we do it once a month. And this is also at the steps of the Old Capitol, and we meet there at 3.30 p.m. And it's also going to be on July the 4th because it's the first July the 4th is the first Sunday of the month of July. So we will meet at the steps of the Capitol at 3.30 p.m. 
p.m. to do a prayer walk, the praying for our city, the city of Tallahassee, praying for our state, the state of Florida, praying for our nation, the United States of America, and praying for the world. So I welcome you there as well at the step of the Capitol at 3.30 p.m. on July the 4th, which would be really great to work off those hamburgers and those ribs and the coleslaw and the mashed potatoes and the potato salad. And guess what? I love baked beans with ground beef. Woo! Have you ever had that? It's scrumptious. Anyway, so after you dine sumptuously, join us at 3.30 um, at the steps of the Capitol for a really short walk. And then go back and eat more and watch football or whatever you're going to watch. Oh, no, it's not football season, is it? Watch baseball. <laughs> so, <clears throat> so, yes, those are the two commercials. So let's get into how... How to Prepare for the Great Wealth Transfer. So, the Lord has just put a just huge burden on my heart to prepare um, believers in particular, or those who will listen for the Great Wealth Transfer. And the, one of the first things that um, people need to understand is don't be looking for the great wealth transfer if you're not a good steward. And what do I mean by being a good steward? I mean, first of all, God is first. He's number one. And so he needs to receive the tithe, the first fruit, the firstborn. And I'm going to talk a little bit about those three things so people can understand um, what are we talking about when we talk about tithe, when we talk about first fruit, when we talk about Firstborn, and what does that have to do? And everybody, when we talk about time, they say that's a law, but no, it's a general, it's a general eternal principle. And I'm going to kind of outline that a little bit for you guys today. So, the first thing is to prepare for the great wealth transfer. You must be qualified to receive the great wealth transfer, and stewardship. And being a tither and giving your first fruit and understanding the firstborn principle is essential and key. One of the things that the Lord told me to ask my class, and I'm going to ask them this coming Sunday this question. I did not ask it last Sunday. That was just a high-level overview, getting people organized. And you can get the book at um, Books a Million or Barnes and Noble. You can order it online on Amazon, The Blessed Life by Dr. Robert Morris. It also has a study guide, which I highly recommend as well. And um, so the study guide would be something that you would need as well. If you would care to join me on Sundays the, um, at 9 a.m. to 10 a.m. in room 103 at All Nations Church. So <clears throat> he told me to ask the question was, are you a one-talent Christian? Are you a two-talent Christian? Are you a five-talent Christian? And so for those of you who are not familiar with the Word of God, there's a parable that Jesus, Yahshua Mashiach, had given to his disciples, had given to the people, and he talked about um, a landlord 
and his servants. And he gave one servant one talent. He gave a second servant two talents. And he gave one servant five talents. And he told them to, you know, steward that money. And his expectation was multiplication while he went on a business trip. And so he was gone for a season. And when he got back, the one talent servant buried, wrapped it up in a piece of cloth and buried it in the ground. The two talent Christian went out and multiplied and came and acquired two more talents. So he had a total of four talents. And the five talent Christian also went out and multiplied and created another five talents. So he had a total of 10 talents. So he walks in, he comes back, and he lines his servants up, and he asks each one of them is, you know, to give an accounting of what they did with the talent. Now, I did some research on talent, and talents back in those days was the equivalent to about I've heard quotes from sixty-six thousand, sixty-seven thousand to thirty-three thousand dollars for one talent. So this is not a small amount of money, right? So it can range from sixty-seven thousand to thirty-three thousand dollars. So he goes to the five talent. Right, servant, and he says, Master, you gave me five talents and I acquired five more. Here are your ten talents. And he said, Well done, well done, wise and faithful servant. And he commended him and he said, Now that you have done this, this, this good stewardship, I'm going to give you ten, ten cities. Ten cities to rule I did some research on the budgets of cities And I remember Looking up um, Chicago was like Five billion at the time Probably more than that now Um, You know Hong Kong is about Several trillion dollar budget Um, New York City is Several billion dollar budget So cities That's a lot of money To be the steward over Right So he got 10 cities. Mm, So now he's a trillionaire, right? So then he goes to the servant that he gave two talents to. And the servant that he gave two talents to said, "Um, Master, I took your two talents and I acquired two more talents. So now you have four talents. And he said to him as well, well done, wise and faithful servant. And he gave him Four cities, right? No, no, he gave me out four cities. When I've already told you, cities' budgets, some of these cities' budgets are huge. So he was a, he became a billionaire. So then, because he was faithful. So then he went to the servant with the one talent. Now, it's interesting. There's a lot of things that we can glean out of the one talent. First of all, it appears that that the master had an idea of the capabilities of each individual servant and gave assigned them accordingly, right? So he he had great expectations out of the five talents, and he had expectations out of the two talent. He also had expectations out of the one talent, but not much. There was something about his character that 
you know, gave him one talent. So what happens? So he gets up there sweating bullets after he sees that the two-talent Christian multiplied by four-talent and the five-talent Christian multiplied by five more talents, making ten talents, and he had nothing. He just had the one talent that he had given him. And he said, you know, I knew you were a hard man and you and you expect to reap what you have not sown. You know, basically saying <laughs> you don't do any work, but you expect to, to profit and all this kind of stuff. I mean, the, paint, the picture that he painted of his master was not very complimentary. And he said, so I hid your one talent and here it is. And the master was extremely upset. And what he said was, you could have at least put it in the bank, and I would have gotten interest. He called him a wicked, lazy servant. And he cast him out into outer darkness, and he took the one talent, and guess who he gave it to? Most people say, well, give it to the guy with the four talent. No, he gave it to the guy with the 10 talents now because he maximized the most. And he was faithful over the little. So he became ruler over more. So the 10 talent went to 11 talents and 11 cities. Okay, so what does this have to do with how to prepare for the great wealth transfer? Daddy Guy Yue Vahe right now is looking all over the world and he's looking for believers. He's looking for his children. He's looking for people who are good stewards of what he has given you. Your time, your talents, your relationships, your marriages, your children, your friendships, your job, your investments. God is looking across the world and he's looking for men and women who are good stewards, who are faithful over a little thing because for God, money is the littlest thing. In heaven, the streets are made of gold. The walls are the gates are full of jewels. The walls are full of jewels. <laughs> this is this place is awesome. And so money is not the currency in heaven. Faith is the currency in heaven. So you, you've got to look at this situation. God expects us to be good stewards. And when the great wealth transfer occurs, when the great wealth transfer occurs, we need to be prepared. And one of the things that God is going to be looking for is good stewards. And stewardship, first of all, begins with God, with honoring Him and understanding that everything you have, everything you have came from Him. So let's go through the exercise of the tithe. Let's go through the exercise of the first fruits. Let's go through the exercise of the firstborn. Many people say, and Christians say, tithe is Old Testament. Tithe is the Mosaic law. Tithe, God, God don't need your money. That's true. God instituted the tithe not for him, 
But for you, you're the one that needs to be blessed. And as we all know, if anybody's been alive for a while, you don't know what's going to happen. You don't know what's around the corner. And you need to be in a position where you have someone that's got your back financially, someone that's got your back emotionally, someone that's got your back physically, right? So so let's start with the beginning. The tithe, the first fruit, the firstborn, that goes all the way back to Genesis to Revelation. From the beginning to the end of the Bible. Those of you who don't know, Genesis is the first book of the Bible and Revelation is the last book of the Bible. And tithing, the first first fruit, the firstborn, is interwoven through all of the books of the Bible, all 66, right? So, what we need to understand is that the, it's all about the principle of the first, the principle of reciprocity, meaning you reap and you sow, which kind of gets twisted. And I'll get into that a little bit because some people give because they want to get. And God wants you to give because you love giving and you love him. So we'll get into attitude. God rewards the attitude of giving, having the correct attitude of giving. And by the way, tithe is not giving. Tithe is returning what belongs to God. So everybody, everything, the tithe belongs to God. Now, you got two choices. You can return it to him or you can rob him. And I'm telling you right now, you don't want to be robbing God and not during these difficult times for sure. So let's go all the way back to first. Well, let's go back to firstborn, right? Firstborn, first fruits, tithing. So. God is a what? Tither. Well, Dr. Davis, why do you say that? Because let's go to John. John, um, for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. He gave before anybody, before anybody repented and said they were sorry, God gave. God gave to people who were sinners. God gave to people who were his enemy. So this goes all the way back to love your enemies. Right. So something that Jesus talks about in the New Testament. Okay, so God is a giver. God is a tither. And God wanted a family and he wanted relationship. And so he had angels. He has angels. And angels are beings that serve and worship the one and only true God. There were there was one angel that Decided he didn't want to do that anymore. He got cast out by Michael, Archangel Michael, Archangel Lucifer got cast out and he took, I'm told about a third of the angels was deceived and went with him. These were cast down to earth and the what? <laughs> Second heaven. And so these, these entities are in the earth and they're in the first, second heaven. At one time, Satan used to be able to go up to the third heaven and um, talk to God even after he got cast out, but that got nixed also. So anyway, so who? So basically, God had a desire. He had a desire for a family. He wanted fellowship. He, God loves, and God loves to create. 
So God created the earth, and I believe the earth is a tithe. And then in creating the earth, he took, it took him six days, and on the seventh day he rested. And on the latter part of the sixth day, God created mankind. God created man. God created Adam, which, by the way, was an empty vessel. He made him out of the, the, the dirt of the earth, the clay of the earth. He formed Adam. And then he kissed him and he put his breath. He like, um, he breathed into him his spirit. So Adam became a living soul. Adam was a walking, talking spirit like God. He had a body unlike God because God is spirit. And he, and he had a soul, which is the mind, the will, and the emotions. So the Adam became a person. And God spent his time in the cool of the day where Adam was and, and God were fellowshipping. He just loved. He wanted to have a family. And he gave Adam a job. And in giving Adam this job, he actually had this, the same creative power as God. So whatever he called the animal, the organism, that's what it was. It, that's what it became. And so he said, this is an elephant. This is a giraffe. This is a zebra. This is a crocodile. This is a serpent. All of these things, God permitted man, Adam, to do this. Then he knew because God believes in fellowship, because God has the Son, the Word of God, and He has the Holy Holy Spirit, His Spirit. And this, I don't understand it. Hey, don't ask me, but I'm taking it by faith. So that you have God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit. So when God created at the Adam, Adam, He said, "Let us create man, mankind in our image." Let us. So. Us means more than one. So it's the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. So as Adam was naming the animals, he was asking Adam to find a helpmate, a helpmeet, as they would say in the Bible. And he couldn't find one. No, you know, he didn't know he didn't want a giraffe and he didn't want an elephant and he didn't want a gorilla nor did he want a chimpanzee. No, he did not want a serpent. He didn't he didn't find anything as he was creating. He didn't want a crocodile. You know, he just he didn't find something suitable. He didn't want a whale, right? That that was a help meet for him. And God Gods, the gods, God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit said, it is not good for man to be alone. So he put Adam to sleep. And in the process of putting Adam to sleep, he did not go back to the dirt and create the woman, Adam. He took um, some some say a rib, some say in some translations a cell. So we're talking about genetic engineering. He took from Adam and created the woman, woman named Adam. And then he woke him up from the surgery and he introduced this heavenly creature, this beautiful person. And 
Adam, Mount Adam said, this is bone of my bone and flesh of my flesh. He was very excited, right? And then God, then God decreed a blessing over them, the Barak, the blessing of the Lord, and gave them dominion over the earth. It was God's, but he gave them dominion. Basically, they were rulers of the earth. And he was supposed to what? He was supposed to be fruitful, multiply, replenish, and subdue the earth. Subdue means there's something in rebellion against the earth. Hmm, interesting. So that was the directive to the Adams. And so now God continues walking now with male Adam and female Adam in the cool of the day and they're doing it's just a wonderful wonderful relationship but there was an entity an entity from heaven named Lucifer who now name is Satan the accuser of the brethren the enemy to your soul and he slithered he had to have a body and unfortunately the snake let him use his body. And so the snake came into the garden right where Eve was by the tree. Now let's go back to the tree. God always has to be first. And in order to be first, you have to, it, it has to be a choice. And when he created everything, he had a tree. He had two trees, as a matter of fact. One was the tree of life, and the other one was the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. And some say that God created the female Adam because she had, she had discernment and great influence with the male Adam. And basically, she was supposed to guide Adam to the tree of life, at least that's one hypothesis, not to the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, but the serpent started talking to the female Adam. By the way, Adam, the male Adam, was standing by and could actually hear the conversation. So that was the issue there because male Adam was directed to protect female Adam and to protect the garden. So it looks like, looks like male Adam fell down on his job already. So what ends up happening God has said, y'all can eat of everything, you can eat of everything, every fruit, except for this one tree. You cannot eat of this fruit. And of course, Satan slithering, slithering up to the female, seducing her, basically probably casting a spell on her, talking to her about, well, you know, the reason why God doesn't want you to eat of that tree, because you'll be like him. Well, they were already like him. Makes you wise. They were already wise, innocent, naive, but they had the spirit of God already in them. So Adam, Satan threw in a little thing. He said, don't even touch it, right? God didn't say nothing about not touching the tree. Matter of fact, they were supposed to harvest it. So how can you harvest it if you touch it, right? It's first fruit. You got to touch it to harvest it. So he throws in, you're not supposed to touch it. Well, see, male Adam should have made a correction then, but he didn't. So guess what? Female Adam touches the tree, touches the fruit, 
finds the tree pleasing to look at and pleasing to eat and since nothing zap 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 no electricity popped off she didn't die instantly from touching the tree she said well maybe I can eat it now that was a no-no because God said if you eat of this tree if you eat of this first fruit if you eat of this tithe if you eat of this you shall surely what die so guess what female Adam died she didn't even know it she was already dead as soon as she ate the tree her spirit was severed from God God is a spirit but guess what Adam's spirit was still alive he was still connected to God some say that he ate because he didn't want to be without Eve or she wasn't Eve then. Her name was female Adam. Um, but she gave it to him. She has great influence. And guess what? He ate it too. And guess what? Immediately God came and said, where are you, Adams? Why would God say, where are you? Because their spirits were severed. And guess what? Immediately when they did that, they transferred dominion of the entire earth to Lucifer, to Satan, by the violation of the tithe, by the violation of the first fruit. I'm going to get later into the firstborn in a little bit. Um, so that is in the very beginning. But guess what? God already knew that this was going to happen. The Father is all-knowing. <laughs> all-knowing. And they already had a contingency plan in place. And that was the Son was going to die. He was going to come to earth and He was going to shed His blood for all of mankind. And those who accept His blood for the forgiveness of their sins would be born again, would be made brand new in and through Christ Jesus and be what? Translated from the kingdom of darkness into the kingdom of light and would have eternity, eternal life immediately upon accepting Christ Jesus, His only begotten Son, as their Savior. God the Father is the provider. God the Son is is the Savior, and God, the Lord God, Holy Spirit, is the Helper. So let's rewind. So God says, where are you? Where are you? And then they say, we were afraid. Well, fear, there was no fear. He said, you have eaten from the tree, have you not? The woman gave it to me. Bad move, Adam. You should have been accountable. You should have taken responsibility. It might have been a different outcome if you had. You should have stepped up and said, I fell down on my job. I was supposed to guard and protect Eve or Adam, female Adam at the time, because she didn't even have the name Eve yet. I was did not protect the garden. I permitted this to happen. But no, he did the blame game. He blamed his wife. So guess what? Guess what she did? She did what she saw her leader do. She blamed the serpent. And guess what the servant did? He blamed Satan. Guess what? Everybody got cursed. From the from a from a blessed earth to an accursed earth. 
And the first thing that got cursed was the earth. Then the woman got cursed in bearing children, having great pain in having children. And God put a wedge in the, between the husband and the wife. So there was a wedge that was some strife that was going to be going on between in marriage because of what Eve did or female Adam at the time did. And of course, Satan, the serpent was cursed and now he had to slither on his belly for the rest of his life and all his ancestors. And still he was walking upright at the time. He had to slither on his body and, and eat dirt. And of course, Satan, he says, my son, he prophesied. God went into prophetic mode and said, my son will crush your head. You will bruise his heel, but he's going to crush your head and that you will have a natural enmity with the woman. You used her, you seduced her. Now she's going to be your enemy. That's why I think a lot of female babies, you know, in some countries, female babies are not valued and they're they're um, aborted and all sorts of things there's a lot a lot going on there I'm going to continue this I'm going to continue this 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 foundational work about how to be prepared for the great wealth transfer and I'm laying the foundation I'm laying the foundation about the tithe about first fruits and about the firstborn thank you for joining me Today on Enter the Glory Zone, Dr. Edith Davis on 94.1 FM, Wave 94. I don't want to end this broadcast without saying Romans 10, 9. And that is, if you confess with your mouth the Lord Jesus and believe in your heart that God has raised him from the dead, you will be, you are saved. Thank you for once again joining me on Enter the Glory Zone on 94.1 FM, Wave 94. Presence, Lord.